Mike and me have just spent almost one and a half hours speaking about, or perhaps opening up to essence. Um, I've had COVID and we touch on that. We touch on the fear of death, the very physical fear of death that I experienced for a brief moment um, on the eighth day of my COVID journey. And then there's a lot of this thing of, of observing this is my best friend, I usually say, the little observer that observes me so that I experience everything I experience and I also observe it. And Mike helped me connect a few dots to see the growth of, of this aspect of me in my life that I hadn't really thought about before. But yeah, getting to know yourself getting to know me is one of the things that I have quite deliberately created a pattern a habit of, of doing I am curious about me and about others because a lot of the time is I learn about me when I learn about others in interaction so we go kind of all over the place. We do a lot of talk about eye surgery as well because Micah has just gotten out of eye surgery with amazing results. She sees really, really well uh, now. So join us and let me know what pops up for you. What resonates? What makes you go, uh-uh, I don't believe a word of that. Or, oh my goodness, yes, you could be describing me and my experience. Let me know. Bye. Okay. Hi, Mike. Hi, Helena. <laughs> Is that the dress you bought when we were in Amsterdam? No, no, it, it's, it's a, not it's my Helena dress. But I, I went to the clinic, the eye clinic yesterday, and a woman said, "Oh, you look lovely." And I, um, it's my Helena dress. And the Helena dress, it is red with white things on it, isn't it? Yes, yes, wait. Yes, so I wasn't, I wasn't all off. <clears throat> yes, just bigger dots. Oh, it is a lovely dress, yes. It's, I love that you have a Helena dress. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and how are things over there in Sweden? Well, things over here in Sweden are good. I have um, 
it's it's not so summery today. It's been just lovely over the weekend and um but today it's a little bit cloudy and windy and stuff but it's good i have recovered from my covid and i feel fit as a fiddle um so yeah everything's fine you you have been swimming already in the ocean yes I have been swimming in the ocean, but I actually for the past year, I don't go swimming in the ocean as much because it is 10, 12 kilometers for me to bike. Um, so I do more cold showers, two minutes cold showers at home, which isn't as lovely, uh, but it gets me the cold. Uh, but yes, I have been in the ocean. I think I went into the ocean the first time this year on the 5th of January or something. So <laughs> I I do that. Yes. Um, wow, yeah. Amazing. Oh, sorry. Amazing. Uh, good of you. <laughs> no, amazing is... That's my Mike word. Whenever I use amazing, I think of my friend Mike. So don't you don't you dare not say amazing. Um, it is it is you. It's the epitome of you. Yeah. So you've you I don't maybe you don't want to talk about this, but you can see perfectly now. Yes. Yes. Let's say let's um, talk about it on on physical level. Yes. So to see or not to see—that's the question. <laughs> True. But I I I I got a lot of extra power now. So physically, I'm able to see more clearly. And because you had. Eye surgery. Maybe. Yes, and, and it's a bit of a miracle, you know. A lot of people come there and it's on and on and on and on. Um, yeah, what they do, they they probably they make a bit of a, a cut in the it's eye and then they suck yeah. the lens out and then they put a, an, a new lens in. But... What's so special, it's not just pushing it in, it's marked. The eye is marked and the lens is marked, so it has to turn in exactly on in the same spot. So, And it's probably less than a millimeter or something. It's a miracle. But so are those, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if you know this, that lens that is put into you, is that like off-the-shelf product or is it, this is for Mike's eyes, this is precisely what she needs in a lens? The last one. The last one. So they're tailor-made yes. specifically for each eye even then. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's weird. Imagine, yeah, what's possible? I, I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm getting let a second chance um, 
because with um, glaucoma uh, or cataract, then it's like the glasses become more muddied. And in the end, probably, yeah, you don't see anything. So, and now I'm on the first time, it, I can't tell. So opening my, my bedroom uh, curtains and looking out, and then it's it's something like <gasps> to receive this image all at once. And then without glasses, I, I could see far away so you don't need any glasses at all now or do you still need glasses for some things yes for close by i need glasses okay so if you need to read you need to have reading glasses yes or something and that's a bit of a thingy because now i need them a lot lot more everything what i do close by i need glasses so and then i was in the end, I was with my knees close to the television screen. Otherwise, I couldn't see it. Um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, sitting with my knees close to the screen. And then it's only, wait, wait. So to, to break uh, patterns, when, when, when I'm reading a book, it, it, it's like this. I'm used to it, but I don't. So even if... There is no need of still the, the habit is, is in my muscles. In your body. Yes. So and I have to 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 break it or so to realize wait farther away and it will be okay as well. But okay, in all it's it's I'm really, really happy. And it, it went very well. So, yeah, not extra difficulties or something. So, and and and, like, do you feel pain in your eye when, when it's when, when it's happening? Oh wait, Elena, I, I need to. to do something because it's it's very distracting. I don't know what's happening on the screen. Um, when the, the, the round moment is there, you don't feel anything because it's it's they they make it. Yeah, you don't feel anything. But later on, yeah, it it can be. In my case, it was a bit. It's a bit of a nuisance. Yeah, more nuisance, like like there's something in, but not pain, pain, not as if you've cut yourself and no and stuff. No. no. I wonder about that. Do the eyes have that? I'm not sure that eyes have pain receptors. I, I guess then you know that. Well, I should know that, but. Uh, it was a long time ago since I took a semester of human physiology, so I've oh, no, forgotten. A scent, uh, a scent thing in your eye, one small, and it's it's or a fly, or when you're on your bike, or it, it's it's. Hurting. But you feel you feel it more than pain. And I wonder if it's when it's on top. I wonder if it's the eyelid, if it's the 
neurons on the eyelid that sense it rather than neurons on the, the bulb of the eye. Because I think when, when they do those surgeries, they, they drip something in your eye, but isn't that to keep it sort of still? Okay. It's really to, uh, how do you know? Yeah, to, to make it that, it that you don't feel anything. They really cut it. So, and that's, and before they start, they use um, um, what you put on when you hurt yourself. Beotidina or how, yeah. Yeah, uh, a numbing cream or an iodine. 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 And, and they, 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 they flash your eyes with iodine. You can't do that with, without. <laughs> and yeah, I don't feel anything. Weird. I actually had booked uh, eye surgery back in, let's see. 15 years ago, something like that. I was 35-ish. My mom had sort of done the research and, and said, yes, do, do eye surgery, get a new lens in so you don't need glasses. I mean, I didn't have cataract or glaucoma or anything of that, but just, you know, to be rid of the, of the glasses. And I booked... Uh, like, you know, introductory session, talk about it, etc. And they were like, yeah, sure, we could do that. Because I was the perfect age. Um, and I booked us, you know, I booked the surgery and I chickened out. I, I didn't dare do it. Because there's this thing called Google... And I don't even know if Google was around back then, but you could search online. Um, Google probably was around back then. But so I Googled uh, this type of eye surgery, you know, swapping out your lens for, for a, a new one. So basically you put the lens of your glasses inside of your eye, right? And... 99 point something of all of the reviews and comments and blogs and posts and articles and everything were like, oh, it's the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. I love it. I love it. And then a few said, I so wish I hadn't done it because they got problems with either too dry eyes or just constantly running eyes or this or that or fuzzy vision it never got better you know it's like and I just went I'm sure that will be me <laughs> so I called and said no I don't I don't I don't dare do it I can follow you in this because I didn't I, I didn't have any beauty uh, considerations but I knew I have to do it. Otherwise, in the end, I will become. And that's what I need. Otherwise, I, I would have chickened out as well. 
Yeah, because you, if you didn't, you would gradually lose your eyesight, right? Yeah. Whereas for me, it was kind of this, you know, and I don't, I don't mind my glasses at all, but of course it's an extra thing you have to bring with you and buy and, and stuff. So it was purely um, convenience-based, you know, there wasn't any, I have to do this or else it was, I could do this and then I don't have to buy glasses for the next 20 years until I need to have reading glasses, right? Um, so, so the incentive for me was like, no, I don't, I don't dare mess with something that still works. I mean, I don't have any problems with my eyes except that I need glasses. Um, there still is a chance. So it, it took it took three years before they said, "Okay, now it's the time is here. Now can we start with the operation?" Tell us something else. I, I, I need to use, um, to click it in, so it's a bit different. I thought it would uh, be totally different, more composed, you know, and not so like... This now. Right. Yeah, I have to take track and powered on yes or plugged in plugged in plugged with, in um, better view with a better view good mm. so how long does it take for for your eyes to to or or your brain to adjust is, is that what happens? Is it the brain who kind of has to adjust to, oh, shit, I'm getting different input here? I have two different eyes. This is my bad one and this is a good one. And they did the this one first. The bad one? The bad one. And then it was, it drove me crazy for a month because... Uh, my bad one became became the best eye, and with it, I I couldn't see properly, and and then I could 
So one part, let's say, good, and the other part, not good. So that 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 was really difficult. Yeah. And now with this eye, it it it's it, it's last Wednesday. The um, last operation. So yeah, it's it's perfect. It, it, <laughs> so this is life. This is life. Cool. Yeah. And you also um, find it such a special sentence when you said, I've, I, I don't know the exact words, but you cured from COVID. Yeah. I am. Yeah. It was, it was, um, I think one of the interesting aspects of, of getting COVID for me was kind of partaking in the global phenomenon on a physical experience level, right? It's like, okay, I'm one of the people who have had it now. Um, you belong to a group, to a certain group. I belong to that group. I can say, yes, been there, done that. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a, I had a fairly good time of it. And, it, it, the thing that, <laughs> I've I've spoken a bit about this, is that I had a moment of, of physical fear of death uh, on the on the eighth day when my fever started spiking and and my breath started to kind of you know mess about with me. I, I didn't have I didn't have the full capacity of my lungs. I couldn't use them completely. And how I I think that a lot of the Death fear didn't come from the fever because I've had fever worse than that before. And it didn't come from the the lung thing because even though I, I had, you know, it was a bit difficult to breathe, I could still breathe. I, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't constricted in my throat and I wasn't coughing a lot. It's like, so I didn't have the sense that I didn't get oxygen. I just couldn't use all of my lungs. Uh, they kind of stopped here. So, but all of the stories that we've heard and read and listened to about COVID was the spice that got me to fear death. Um, if it had just been a flu, I don't think I would have. So it's it's the story wow. about it that I think was was at least a big part of that um, of that fear. Um, but you know, that's interesting in and of itself. You know, it's it's yeah. like, and I was I I had a coach session. Uh, I just did a coach talk with a client and 
I mentioned that one of the things that I think is my thing is I I'm kind of addicted to learning about myself in any situation. So I'm quite like, you know, I I kind of, I experience and I observe at the same time. You know, I have this. So as I'm experiencing COVID, I'm also observing what am I experiencing? What are my thoughts? What's the, you know, oh, there's fear there. What's that fear all about? You know, it's like, so, and it doesn't matter what type of situation I'm in. I'm kind of constantly in that um, collaboration, perhaps, between two aspects of myself or more, perhaps. But how the observer is like, you know, it's it's a curious little child just wanting to say, oh, what's there? What's there? What's there? Can you tell me more? Show me. Explain. I want to I wanna see. I want to understand. Which is, I also had, I had a, a date on Friday night. Um, and same thing there, you know, okay, in this dating situation, I'm experiencing, but I'm also observing. What am I doing? How am I doing it? Why am I doing that? Why am I saying that? Why am I not saying? You know, it's like constantly. Um, and I, you know, it's like I say that I'm a bit obsessed with this, but or addicted to it, but I, I, I enjoy it. Let's put it that way. I don't feel that it's a problem that I'm, you know, more or less on the, on, you know, with this little curious uh, questioner, observer within me. I, I kind of enjoy it. And I think one of the reasons for me enjoying it is that I don't judge what I observe. So I, you know, if I say something, do something, don't say something, don't do something. I observe it, but I don't say, shame on you, Elena, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you? Why didn't you? You know, it's like rather, oh, that's interesting. How fascinating. Because um, I, I think if I was judging myself, I would be totally bonkers. You know, then the observing aspect of me would would, you know, mess me up. Um, but I don't experience that it does that. I, I experience that it's, it's, it's helping me, you know, kind of be in the world. Um, does that yeah. make sense? Yes, totally. Yeah, what you describe here is the, um, is the huge transition from... Um, let's call it outer critic to inner observer. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. What I, I, it triggered me, the word you choose, and that is, uh, you say you are addicted. Um, I would use the word dedicated. Mm. 
I'm I'm no I'm I'm not addicted. I I I recognize it what you're talking about, and it, for me it's. Um, A bit like taking breath, yeah. Like taking breath, it 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 has grown into something so natural or something so part of you. Yes, yes. And 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 you can't reverse it. It can happen uh, that you, instead of an observation, um, become judgmental. But then there is the observer very quickly. Hey, my dear. Hey, my dear. Yeah. And I wonder. I haven't. I haven't connected the dots backwards. But hearing you speak about this is like first time I met Alan Seal, Master Coach was. Um, 2011, 2012, sometime, something around there. Um, he was doing a training in uh, in Malmö at Coach Walk Academy, and I attended it. And he said, "How does this serve?" Oh yes, which which is a question that I just, yeah. ugh, you know, so. I have primed myself with this question. And this is one of my superpowers is this. If I sort of hone in on a thing, I, I, it's, it's like it is a constant filter. It's like it's written on my glasses. I always see through it. So if I decide to do something, it's like it's constantly there. I don't have to remind myself or remember or stuff. It's there. So this question is one of those things that I kind of wrote on my glasses so that I would see through the world and always be reminded to ask, how does this serve? And I had already by then, you know, five, seven, six years earlier is the, the moment when I realized I didn't have to judge myself. I didn't have to believe the, the, the critical voices within. So if I had gotten how does this serve before that I'm not sure it would have had the same effect on me and it might even have made it worse but I had already started my doing gentle journey learning how to do that so how does this serve was you know just the perfect question for me to just kind of shake me out of being in the throes of some type of you know temper tantrum um how does this serve, you know, in a, in a gentle voice, in a curious voice, not a judgmental, how does this serve you, you know, but, um, and I asked myself this question consciously over and over and over again, not a day went by that I didn't ask myself this multiple times and somewhere along the lines, probably five years ago, maybe six years ago. So, you know, three, four years of constantly asking myself this question, it did become automated. So I don't, I no longer for the past five years, very seldom do I have to consciously ask myself, but the neural pathways run through that question. Um, 
So my observer, that's part of the pattern of the observer. It's like, how does this serve? And it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's curious. What could this be? And what might that, you know, um, but it kind of, you know, it rings a little bell when I'm engaging in activities in emotional pitfalls or storms or, you know, that is like, oh, wait, no, wait, hey. Because I'm, you know, it, it just gives me that little pause. So it is a part of me. That's what I wanted to kind of connect to. It is very much, it has become a part of me. And I could get rid of it, but I would have to spend, you know, another five years getting rid of it. Um, and, and I don't want to, you know. So breaking patterns takes effort, regardless if it's a pattern that serves you or not serves you. Um, so once you've, broken patterns that don't serve you, even the thought of spending as much time and effort and energy on breaking a pattern that does serve me is like, no, I wouldn't ever do that. Um, that doesn't make sense at all. It's like, if I've gotten a good habit going, you know, yes. keep it going, question it now and again. Absolutely. You know, do your yearly reflections or something, looking within and seeing, does it still serve me to ask myself if, if it serves me? Yes, it does. Okay. Keep up. Um, yeah, beautiful. And now you can take other people with you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like there's this saying, you know. Um you can't coach above your pay grade, and I don't know if it's coach specifically that it actually says, but but it's like you know, I have done the work that I have done. So I can help people along that line. But what lies beyond me, um, you know, I, I haven't experienced that. I haven't gone through that. I haven't. I don't know that stuff. That would be above my pay grade. But the things that I have, the, 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 lived practice of me, that is something that I can share with the world. I can't share your lived practice because that's not mine. You know, I can share mine. What, what a ridiculous expression. You can't approach above your pay grade. Of course you can. What do you mean? 
I, I would say you, you can't coach above your level of consciousness. Yes, but that's the that's sort of what it means. It's just oh, another okay. way of, of, of phrasing it, right? Oh, it's like you know, so so it is just a way to to put it in in uh yeah, in, I'm, I'm a, in a different with, context, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but if it becomes economical, then I'm <laughs> Um, yes, but so in in let's say in an old-fashioned view of um, in in a vertical line of here you you are uh, junior and then you're and then you're senior. For me, it's another spot. It, it's so it's not linked with outer signs of of whatever, but it's it has to do with why you're here. Mm-hmm. This is so linked to let's yeah to your own the gift you bring to the world. So and that can be very very small. Mm-hmm. I know so. When I look at myself and and with outer eyes, with worldly and economical and societal eyes, then then I I, I know of of my urge to so I I I need to be at least a master coach. So, but now I know it 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 can be a pinprick or it can be a crumb, a bird's crumb. But I am connected to that crumb. It's up to me to take care of it. So, and then if I consider it crumb, then then I... I want to be, yeah, to be able to do whatever. World famous coach or something. But that's... Can you follow me? It's yeah, I, I, yeah, I can, and it, it just it touches on on Monday. I had a a, a session with Dominic, and we went deep, as we usually do. Um, coming to a very, very, like, it's almost as if I would say it's the it's the core wound of me or one of them. Like, really, you know, this is at the bottom or at the basis of so much. And it's this thing that I crave, need, want, desire, external validation of my worth so that I can possibly start to believe internally that I am worthy, right? Um, And at the root of that is the belief, the knowledge, the knowing that I am not worthy. 
you know. Uh, and I would say up until, again, maybe 10 years ago. So I was, you know, approaching 40. This was the driving force of me in my life. Like, I, I, I need other people to see me, to validate me, to give me proof that what I am providing is of worth because I question it. I don't know for certain, etc. And 10 years ago, that driving force which had me being what we call in Swedish duktig flicka, like high achiever, you know, a good girl. Um, it, was, it was joined by the opposite force. So today or for the past 10 years, I'm, I have both of these. I have this, I am worthless. I need other people to validate me. But I also now have... Oh, I know I have value. I know I am worthy. I don't need other people's validation to prove this to me. It's great fun to get it, but I don't need it because I know that there's worth in me. So for the past 10 years, it's, it's been both of those um, that are, you know, taking turns, running the show, so to speak. Um, and... The session, I think, helped me help me feel how it feels when it's the worthless process that's running. So that perhaps I can, with the help of my little observer, pick up on that and, and try to step away from that pattern. Because that's a pattern that doesn't serve me because it hurts. Fuck me, it hurts. And it puts my sense of lack of worth onto, I, I put my sense of lack of worth onto other people thinking that they need precisely what I need in such a situation. You know, it just messes everything up the way we're very human. But kind of being able to discern when am I running that program? Ah, uh, because then I can kind of get the pause. And if I get the pause, I can step away. I won't all the time, but I can. Wow, beautiful, beautiful, Helena. When you formulated like becoming aware of the program. How I experience this is um, I can't become aware of it because I'm, I'm full of it. And it's so deep, probably into my cells, uh, the skin and the blood and the whatever. For me, it's how do you call it? it? It's 
deep fake that words pops up it, 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 in computer terms it's so here is is the the internet let's say inside myself and then underneath that there is programs running and and those you don't want to enter it's really dirt it's really dirt and probably I didn't know I was a computer nerd, but probably I made something that I closed it off, you know, and then pretend I don't have the, the and access to it any longer. But it's it's running my life. It's running my life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm you know, it's like in the session Monday, I, it's like, I came to this place where it just feels like a dead end. And this dead end is the belief in me. You know, one belief leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, ending with the belief that I am worthless. And it's like, it doesn't lead anywhere else. It's just there. And I was crying because it feels utterly hopeless. You know, there's no way out of that. You know, I can't be fixed. I'm utterly broken. And I don't believe people can be broken, right? But here, this thing in me is just, it's hopeless. Complete and utter hopelessness. And I was in this feeling and it was just, oh, so painful. And one, I I have a hard time seeing that it's possible to get to one of those places without somebody to guide you along. Um, I don't know that it's possible. I, I don't think you should. I think you should have somebody who's there holding your hand so that you're, I can feel this hopelessness, but I'm not alone. I'm held, right? Um, but... Getting to know that feeling is what will help me spot these deep, deep, deep programs. You know? Because it's like it's it's like they're sending out a little a little tag saying, oh, this is the one, you know. So I think it is possible for everyone to get at those really, really deep layers of programming. But, you know, it's like, take care, kids, because this is dangerous stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, can, it can be really... Um, tricky, but it was, and it was interesting because as I was in this feeling, I had this sense of utter hopelessness and, and worthlessness and, and, you know, there's nothing to me, right? And, and Dominic said, 
um, I know that that's not you. And I went, how do you know? And he said, and you are one of my campfire sisters. So he said, what you are shielding yourself from within you is visible for others. You can't see it, but others can. And he said, that's why your campfire sisters can see your genius. That's why I can see your grace. And I just went. <laughs> and, and I think that's a, a big part of, of those deep connections, right? It's like we see even the things that individuals themselves cannot see, don't know how to see, have pushed away and down and, you know. Um, so that's one of the ways why it's so important to have those really, those, yeah, those communities, those uh, connections. A very touching element. Yeah, to feel you are doing the same as I do. And when you, you talked about your unworthiness. Then I feel the whole world speaking to me. All the people in the world. Mm. Yeah, it's a root cause, I guess. From a lot of pain. What, what I experienced, is it okay if I God. talk about it? Absolutely. Um, I don't know why I'm crying. I wanted to talk about my own experience in a session, but then I realized that I jumped over. I'm touched by a story. So I was just interviewed the other week by somebody who has a blog about, um, about writing. And 
one of the things that I, I said was that a lot of the things I write about I experience as evergreen. They're not fads. They won't be of no value, of no use, of no concern tomorrow. They will be as valuable and, and relevant tomorrow as next year, as in 10 years, as in 100 years. Because it is human. At its very core, it is about being human. Um, And there's, there's something to that, to um, I don't know, perhaps it's, it's not even about showing others, it's about me being open with me that I am human. Yeah. It, it's about unveiling what I experienced in a, in a session lately, um, the woman searched for, as she calls it, um, personality designs. And what I understood about it later on is um, we develop personality designs just not to feel the pain. And then I I was shocked because then I become me myself, I become the one who is protecting myself from the life that's coursing through me, the energies that's coursing through me, because I become small and uh, critical. So before something comes up, there is this uh, critical person who is using words like, this is okay, this is not okay, this is bad, this is mm -mm, okay, it can pass. So I guess in the unveiling, now I find it, when she told me, I knew of course, but now I, it's a felt sensation about what's coming up, it's about it's bearing my breasts. It's 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 opening up even when it's hurting. Mm. So it it's and it's about longing. Sometimes I'm succeed a little <laughs> but I'm I'm happy with the with the connection to to I, I, a few days ago to a friend, I used the term, I really want to become the trembling reed, I guess. And, and probably when we were young, I, I got a message to tremble. That's horrible. Do everything what you can. Stop trembling. So, and it, it's a huge walk to come back to, to come the back. starting point and to be willing to travel again if if it happens or not. Yeah. 
And it, it's, I mean, I just... <sighs> When I'm diving deep within and, and finding these various programs and characters within and and beliefs I have that, you know, you kind of can, some of them you can kind of tell where they come from. This was my mother. This was my grandmother. This was my father. This was the school. You know, it's like you can, some of them you can kind of find the context of where they started to sprout and I I struggle with not not pointing blame you know yes some of the experiences that have led me to this belief of of, of worthlessness come from interactions with my my family. It's my mom and my dad and my brother and, you know, people around me, people who love me, people who don't want anything other than the best for, you know, it's like, and still, we screw up. Um, and I, 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 it's like, it's painful in me somehow to, to hold On the one hand, sort of the realization that, yes, we hurt other people. I have been hurt by other people. I have hurt other people, and I continue to hurt other people. My kids, my, you know, ex-husbands and friends, you know, it's like, yes, I do that too. It's been done to me. I have done it to others. So being able to share my hurts, as well as when I'm hurting others, from a point where, like with all of my being, I don't want this to hurt other people. You know, it's like, I don't want my mom or my dad to, to, to listen to anything or read anything that I'm writing about my experiences from childhood and start to beat up on them. Why didn't we? Why didn't I? I should have. I shouldn't have. I, you know, it's like, and it's so common. We do that. Everybody does that. But, but it's, that's one of the things that I find challenging in sharing my insights about my humanness and where it comes from and you know that because I don't want to hurt other people and when you say that you know you want to be that that trembling wreath it's like you were that trembling wreath when you were a child. You yes. were. And then parents, siblings, aunts and uncles, school teachers, the, the next door neighbor, friends, you know, it's like help tell you that you're not supposed to do that. 
And you know within, yes, I am. And you go along with it anyway. And that little trembling wreath is like buried deeper, 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 right? So that when you are rediscovering your, your, oh, there still is this trembling wreath within me. I can be that. I can be in that. Kind of just acknowledging the fact that it was there and then it got buried rather than pointing fingers and blaming others for, you know, because we, we do what we do. And I think most people do what we do without knowing, without wishing, without thinking that it will hurt. It's not our intention to hurt. Nobody said, Mikey needs to get rid of that trembling little wreath. You know, it's like it's, it's society, it's norms, it's culture, it's, it's the family constellation. It, it kind of happens Yeah, what, what was helpful for me is, um, in, in my case, when, when I was a small child, what turned out to be that I wanted directions from my parents. Uh, and that's what a child normally does. But for me, it was a little bit or a lot more. So show me how to live life. And they didn't. And then Kim used the word, they are in the same boat as you. And then I, I, and again, it became a felt experience of sitting in the boat with my parents Mm -hmm. and know how to live their life. Oh, God bumps. So, and and when you're in that, what can you give or not give to a child you have? So, it it, it became, yeah, the three of us in the same boat. And that's really, really helpful because, again, let's call it before and after awakening, um, at first, there is a lot of um, angriness and accusation. You didn't give it to me, and it was so essential for me. And now there is more of an understanding. You didn't have it, so you couldn't give it to me. And that's about the expression about you can coach on, on pay, whatever. Yeah, you cannot coach above your pay grade. Precisely, you can't parent above. You can't give your kid what you have no clue about. Precisely. But it's it's interesting. One of the things that I've been picking up on in, in my Dominic sessions is when I when I when we go deep and find these things. I very seldom 
or even at all experience anger. I just experienced the most crushing sadness. I have the little queen of sadness character that's been popping up. Um, that is just so when I, I, when I see this, when I look at, you know, things that have been going on and things from a long time ago, 40 years past and, and stuff, it's like, it's sadness. And, and I don't know, it's, we had a couple of sessions where I yawned. I yawned and I yawned and I yawned and I yawned. You know, it's like ridiculous. I yawned 50 times over the span of an hour. You know, it's like, this is not normal. This isn't, this isn't normally when you yawn, you yawn once or you yawn twice and then you're kind of fine. Unless you're really, really tired and then you need to go to bed. But it's like, we had two sessions and it was, there was a lot of sadness here. So, I'm I'm guessing that that was some type of edge behavior, right? It's like okay, I'm coming up on, and he's like, oh shit, no, don't don't go there. You know, it's a warning sign of or just a flag saying, hey. So I'm and I have I don't know what's beneath the sadness, but I'm kind of getting a little bit curious. I haven't even thought about that before. About what? What's beneath my sadness? What's what's underneath that? What's beyond? Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's a while now that I, I, I follow a line of whatever coaching or it not about an ID and that's there is um, a human part inside of you and there is a master part inside of me inside of me let's say um, and in the human part there is all this uh, charade and and this playing out and taking on roles and for me that's in the in the box so it's protection and it's stopping the trembling and in the in the divine part there is this uh, what you call essence so, and, and that's the difference in picking up on you and your energy and being able and you even when you're in it it doesn't matter where you are because it's felt as well that when you look with your essence eyes. Um, and now I lost mine. So for, for me, it's um, important even not to go into it, not even to feel the sadness. Because now comes up the word of Akatola about the pain body, and I really have an idea about being able to cry for still another thousand years. And one of the reasons, it's a closed circuit. Mm. So as if 
a human is is uh, creates a problem and it tries to solve the problem, but in a closed. And what I'm working to or believe in is to stay in essence, or if you call it, um, your observer, and you don't step into it, but you. Am I able, that's the idea, am I able to be fully present with the herd or something, but not in it? When I'm in it, I'm lost and I have a lousy day and I have immediately an extremely lousy life. And I, I, it's it's muddying the waters or something, and it's most of it is is um, trying to protect from life, and it's I'm going so far as to say that if I'm in it, it it's superficial. It's it's. It's um, a habit. I'm so used to being sad about, let's do dramatic, about my life, you know. But what I, I don't, and now again about uh, creating new muscles and creating new patterns, to step into, into space, and experience what is there now. In other words, I, I become a bit suspicious when I'm sad. How can I feel when it's... Now I, I make... When it's essence sadness or when it's human sadness. Say it again. Human sadness. Yes. And and mind sadness. Oh we talked about it as well. So when it yeah. And that's that's interesting that you say the essence sadness and mind sadness. Um, you know, <clears throat> when I went through my last divorce and separation, there was lots of mind sadness. Kind of this things didn't turn out the way I wanted them to. And, you know, but we should have, and why didn't I? And, oh, we let our love go. You know, it's like, that is like, it kind of a lot, it, there's a lot of mind in that, this wishing that things were other than what they are. It's a huge one, yes. Yeah. Which is then, if I then 
try to to flip yeah. the coin so that essence felt essence is then more a sense of feeling what just is not I'm sad because it isn't, but rather this is, and you know, whatever that is, but, but it's like an unconditionality to it. It's like, this just is, here it is. This is, it should be something else, right? It's like, it cannot be what it is. I don't want it to be what it is. I need it to be something else. But this is, this is. Totally. And I'm not quite sure, but when you start that, the isness, sadness, um, Probably you you can lower and lower and lower and lower, and maybe there is a space where you feel a kind of celebration or something. I walked with this person, and I received children, and there is so much to celebrate. And that you can come, that it is a kind of um, of, an, of a concerto and you start the first notes and then you can become very, very quiet after the last ones. I wonder if it was the... In 2019, I think... Um, Either on our wedding day, I think it was on the day we wed, you know, that I actually, I, um, I think I wrote a piece. I, I also sent something to my ex-husband saying, um, I just feel grateful for what we had, you know, it's like... <laughs> This feeling that I don't have any regrets. I don't wish something else. It's just, we had good times. We had lovely kids. You know, it's like we have experienced something together. And and like the isness of that, right? Not it should have been, we could have, what if, you know, none of that. But just thank you for being a part of that with me. Uh, and it's as if to be able to get to that point, I have to get away from this, from, yes. the, from the mind uh, aspects of it. It's like I have to strip those ideas, those beliefs, what it should have been, what it shouldn't have been, what it could have been, what it couldn't have been, and and just, this is what is.
Yeah, I, I know that. You, you really have to do something consciously because, let's say, the human part, it takes the floor, all the space. And so you, you really have to be willing to step aside. For me, I have to do something so that essence that's always present can can take up space for me. Oh, might get you. you. There you go. So how how do you do that? Do you do you consciously do that, or that just happens now and again? No, that I need to do uh, consciously because let's see mind, ego, whatever, um, is very busy to live my life. And I open my eyes and pew, it's already there. And it needs an agenda and it needs, you know, a, a lot of stuff to do this job, even if it haven't, hasn't the right tools for it. So I, I really need to... Um, to invite, yet yeah, let's say to invite essence in, and and when it it can dance together, but then let's say the isness is the basis of your life, and not longer any uh, patterns or or needs or or. For me, like you, it's the same probably what you did. In, 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 yeah, that's also the inviting. The inviting, and in this case, your question, will this serve me? It's the same. Mm. Mm. So another way to phrase that is really find something that helps you press pause. You know, it's like, Pause that ego, give you that that little, the space in between where, where the dance can become possible because it's not ego doing the solo dance. It's like pause. Yeah. Oh, yeah. here somebody else can also step onto the dance floor. Yeah. Right? So finding that pause button. Which is is funny, when I was in therapy, kind of when I really started to work on myself back in 2005, maybe, 6, 2006, um, or work on myself, that sounds so weird, but get to know me, I think, is really what it's about. Beautiful, yes. So when I started to really get to know me in therapy in 2006, anger... Being an angry mom was the thing that I kind of wanted to find out. What is this and how can I how can I be something other than an angry mom all the time? You know, angry moms have their place, but not constantly. And I wasn't, but, you know, too much. It was a too, too high uh, degree of angry momism. I made little... She, she challenged me, my therapist, to, to, to see when I was angry, 
to to spot it. And it could, you know, I had such a delay. My observer was not so on the job back then. That was when the observer started to come into my life, really. So it could take like a day. And then the observer would say, hey, this morning, weren't you angry at the kids? And I would go, oh, shit. Yeah, I was. Right. And then time slowed down. But to help me with this, I had little notes that I'd written pause on that I had on the on the bathroom mirror and on my nightstand and in my wallet and in my filofax and on the on the refrigerator and you know just everywhere sort of sprinkled everywhere so that I would get that reminder um to to just pause which is what you said it is inviting essence you know to to play with you to to also bring that aspect into whatever is, that's it. You bring essence in so that you can see the isness of the moment. Yes. And for me, the, 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 the essence is already there. So you don't bring it in, but probably you, you, you open, open your up. eyes. Yes. yes, you open to but it. Something inside of you, you yeah. open up and then... Yeah, yeah. 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 What a lovely place. Perhaps the perfect place to end our conversation. It's been lovely talking to you again, Maike. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love you. <laughs> it's so... Funny isn't a word. But it, yeah, it, it opens my heart. 